We are in week four. I'm wrapping up a series called The Bible on Trial. I've titled today's message, Solid Foundation. Solid Foundation. Has this series been helpful to you? Come on, has it helped anybody out this week? Man, it's been a great series for, for all of us. And, and here's the, been the goal of this series. It's been to learn the Bible. And I think every single person could say, I learned something about the Bible that I didn't know before this series. So we wanted to learn the Bible. And then number two, we wanted to, we want to love the Bible. So my goal is that you would love the Bible or fall more in love with the Bible. And then number three, the goal of this series is to live the Bible, that you would learn it, love it, and live it. And today I want to focus on the third, and that is live it, live it. I'm telling you right here, this message is so critical. It's so important, this, this whole thing of living the Bible. Here's what Jesus said about this in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, they, they hear the Word of God, they, they read the Word of God, he goes on to say, and puts them into practice. They actually live it. He says, it's like a wise man who built his house, his life on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. He says, the storms came. And friends, hear me today. Storms are coming in your life. You say, Pastor, I'm in church. Be more positive. I'm positive. Storms are coming to your life. Just keep living. And the real question is, what will be your response? Well, if you're being a doer of the Word, here's what he goes on to say. Yet... It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, they come to church, they may even read the Bible or hear Christian songs, and, and does not put them into practice, they, they, don't, they don't live it. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew, beat against that house. Stor the storms came. They, all, they come to all of us. But notice what it says. It fell with a great crash. Friends, making God's Word the foundation of your life is critical to your success. It's critical. And you need everything in your life built on the Word of God. The quality of your life, the quality of everything in your life will be based on the foundation you build it on. And if you are a doer of the Word of God, you're going to build your life on a solid foundation. I mean, you want your life on a solid foundation that when the winds come, the blow, they blow, your foundation is not going to move. And that's what happens when you build your life on God's Word. But so many people build their life on a wrong foundation. I mean, I didn't want to get sand, but, but this is close enough. You hear what I'm saying? Like, like you don't want to build your life on this. And so many people are building their life on the wrong foundation. I'm telling you, you try to build your marriage on this. You try to build your dating on this. You, you try to build your career on this. You try to build your finances on this. You try to build your parenting. You try to build your life on a faulty foundation when the storms come, when somebody jumps on your life. I'm telling you, you cannot stand because you have a wrong foundation. Jesus said, man, what's key is you got to have a right foundation. And so many people are building on a wrong foundation. You say, Pastor, what kind of wrong foundations? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to talk to you about that for a couple moments. Uh, uh, what, for, let me give you four wrong foundations to build your life on. Here's the first wrong foundation, popular culture. This is where people build their life 
on what's popular. Well, you know, everybody's doing it. I mean, look, so many people are, are, are doing it. I, I need to do it. And, and popular culture is established by, by movies, media, television, radio, trends, fads. And the problem is popular will come and go, but truth never changes. What's popular isn't a foundation for you to build your life upon. It will come and go, but truth will stand. You can stand on the truth of God's Word. And friends, just because everybody is doing it, doesn't mean you need to do it. Don't build your life on the popular. Here's a second wrong foundation, tradition. Tradition. This is where your life is, is, is built on tradition rather than truth. And there's nothing wrong with tradition. I have some traditions personally that I, that I follow, that I, I, I enjoy, I love. My, my family has some traditions we do every year that that we love, that, that we enjoy. There's nothing wrong with, the, with tradition. The problem is when you, is when you hang on to, to, to tradition instead of hanging on to truth. And a lot of people will hang on tradition and throw truth out the window. Don't, don't change my music. Don't you touch them stained glass windows. We've always done it this way. And then have you ever seen people, even God's people, act ugly, act mean, be divisive? And you know what they're doing? Well, I'm not getting my way, so I'm going to have an attitude, and I'm going to cop an attitude. I'm going to hold on to my tradition instead of truth, instead of what God's Word says. And friends, I'm telling you, you cannot build your life on tradition. Friends, tradition is not something, it's not a solid foundation. The truth of God's Word. Here's what Jesus said in Mark 7 and verse 8. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. The Pharisees let tradition trump truth, and they were building their life on tradition instead of the Word of God. Let me tell you a third wrong foundation, and that is reason. Reason. This is where people build the foundation of their life on their own thoughts, their own opinion. Well, you know, I thought about it. <laughs> I thought about it, and this is what I think seems right to me. Well, I know what the Bible says, but, but I've given it some thought. <laughs> and, and I think I know what's best. Friends, this is so dangerous. I, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Don't go with you. Go with God. Don't, don't go with you. Go, go with God. N not your own reasoning. Proverbs 16 verse 25 says, there is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to destruction. You, you won't be able to stand on your own opinion. It's a wrong foundation. Number four is this, feelings. A whole lot of people build the foundation of their life off their feelings. I know it sounds crazy, but a lot of people build their life on their feelings. Well, well it feels good, so I'm going to do it. Well, it just feels right, so I'm going to do it. Well, when my emotions are telling me, listen, your feelings will lie to you. My feelings lie to me all the time. You can't be listening to your feelings. You got to build your life on God's Word. Judges chapter 21 and verse 25, verse 25 says, at that time there was no king in Israel. People did whatever they felt 
like doing. It's the wrong foundation. Maturity is when you live by your commitments, not by your feelings. You got to have your life built on the right foundation. And, and, and Jesus tells us it's the Word of God. Build your life on a solid foundation. When the storms come, you'll be able to stand. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you three keys to making the Bible the foundation of your life. Three keys to making the Bible. If you're going to stand the storms of life, you got to have the Bible as your foundation. Three keys to making it your foundation. Number one is this. you got to read it. You have to read it. If you're going to build your life on a solid, the solid foundation of God's Word, you'll have to spend time reading it. Every day, you have to set some time aside. And I've been teaching you this year, and I taught you earlier in this series, about the first 15. Everybody has 15 minutes they can give God at the beginning of their day. All of us do. And I want to encourage you, give God the first 15. Read a daily devotion in the Bible. Read a chapter in the Bible. You say, Pastor, I don't have time to read a chapter. Read one verse a day. Come on, everybody can do a verse. Something's better than nothing. Spend five minutes reading the Bible. Five minutes in prayer. Five minutes in worship. Give God the first 15 minutes. Come on, get the Word of God in you. And, and there are four consistent interactions, four consistent interactions you need to have with God's Word to make it a solid foundation for your life. Four interactions. We all have to have it. Four interactions with God's Word if you're going to make it a solid foundation. The first interaction is this. You have to understand it. In other words, get a version of the Bible you understand. And people have a lot of questions about the versions in the Bible, the translations of the Bible. Pastor, why are there so many stinking translations of the Bible? What's up with that? Which translation is the right translation? I'm going to tell you today. The HCV, the Herbert Cooper version. I'm, <laughs> I'm just messing with you, okay? I'm messing with you. There is no such thing. Just making sure you're paying attention. You, you're hanging with me today. Listen to me today. The, the only reason that there are translations is because the Bible wasn't written in English. There, 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 there is no right translation. You see, what happened is the, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. That's the language of Israel. The, the, the New Testament was written in Greek, and the Greeks lived near Israel. And, 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 and none of us, at least 98% of us, but I'd venture to say none of us speak those two languages. And so what translators, scholars did is they got together and they, and they transcribed the Bible in English so that we could actually read it and understand it. And one of the very first versions of the Bible that was transcribed into English was back in 1611. It's the King James Version Bible. And back in those days, they spoke Old English. And so that's why when you read the King James Version Bible, there are vowels and, and these and cometh and goeth. And, and, and now some, some people, when they read the King James Bible, it's like they revere the King James Bible. It's like God came from England. Folks, God's not from England. I just want you to know that now. He is not from England. It just happens to be one of the very first translations into, into English. And I know I'm messing with somebody's theology. Oh, no, King James Version only. No, God's not from England. He's really not. You can actually pray without a thou or a thee or art, and God will hear you. It's true. But if you like the thou and the these and the cometh and the goeth, that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that version, but it is not more anointed 
than the other versions. It just happens to be one of the, the first. And there are actually three types of transla translations. I want you to understand three types, three types of transla translations. And the first is formal or equivalent. Formal, for, formal equivalency, formal equivalency, or, or some would call it exact, exact equivalency. And, and what happened here is scholars who, who knew those languages, they went and they transcribed them into English word by word. They went to the original manuscript and transcribed it into English word by word. And the only issue that you can run into is, is grammar changes over time. So sometimes you can, you can read a version and written a, a long time ago, transcribed into English, and the, the grammar's kind of been updated to, to, to fit us today, and we, we've kind of, our vernacular's kind of grown over the years, and so some of that grammar doesn't connect with us today. And, and so some of the, the formal equivalencies would be like the King James Version, transcribed, transcribed word by word for word. And then there's a new King James Version, which kind of removes the thou's and the these and replaces them with you. And, and then there's the New American Standard Bible. And then there's the English Standard Version. These are all formal equivalency. And, and, and then a, 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 a second type of translation that you'll find is, is what's called functional equivalency. Functional equivalency, or some would call it dynamic equivalency. And, and what this simply is, is, is dynamic or it's functional because it's just a little bit easier to read. And what scholars did is scholars went back to the original manuscripts, but instead of transcribing them word for word, they transcribed them thought by thought. And so it's still great Bibles, but transcribed thought by thought instead of word by word. And here, let me give you some examples of some of the functional equivalency. So there's the New Living Translation. Uh, the, the Good News Bible, the, the English Standard Version, there's a new international version. I, I actually do most of my, 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 time, my daily time with God out of the New Living Translation Bible. Really easy to read, so I really like that kind for just, just for my daily time with God. I, I also use the NIV a lot, the New International Version and, uh, of the Bible. I study a lot from the NIV when I do my study time, my prep time for, for sermons. And, and actually, the New International Version, since 1987, it is the most, so it's outsold every other version of the Bible since 1987. It's a great version of the Bible. And actually, the NIV, the New International Version, it, it's really a combination. It's a combination of the formal and the functional. They kind of, the scholars kind of, the, the hundred scholars got together, and it's, 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 it's a combination of both. But, but, but what's key is to find one that fits you. And, and here's a third type of translation, and that's paraphrase. So, in the paraphrase, they didn't go back to the original manuscript. They actually took English Bibles, and they, tra and they transcribed uh, the, the, these Bibles from the English Bibles to make them even more easier to read and to understand. So, so some of the examples of paraphrased Bibles would be the Living Bible. And the guy who wrote the Living Bible actually didn't write it for us. He wrote it for his children, and, and, and we have it today. But, but he, he wanted his children to be under, able to understand the Bible. So if you have kids, it's a great version for, for children. Then there's the Message Bible. It's a paraphrased Bible as well. And so let, let me kind of explain the message. So like maybe the King James Version would say charity. Charity, and, and, you know, ch charity uh, covereth all, and, and it's talking about love. And then, and then the NIV may say, love covers a multitude of sin. And, and, then, and, then, and then you read the Message Bible, and it's really up-to-date language. And it might say, yo, dude, yo, be nice to people, dog. You know what's up? Treat them right. You know what I mean? That's, that's the paraphrase. I mean, that, that's the Message Bible. So that, they're all great Bibles, but listen, if you're going to build your life on a solid foundation, you got to understand it. 
Get a version you understand. Number two is this, memorize it. Memorize it. Find some key verses and memorize them. Get them deep into your heart. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart. Now, you're not going to memorize the whole Bible, but find three or four or five key verses that you just commit them to memory and hide them in your heart that I might not sin against you because God's word will help bring victory in my life. Memorize it. Number three, you got to hear it. We're talking about four interactions you have to have with God's Word. You got to hear it. Make it a priority to be in church weekly to hear God's Word preached. It will build your faith. Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's really key. So one of the interactions you need to have is with God's Word to hear it. And after 15 years of pastoring, I've been able to see people that, that drift away from church and the things of God. They quit hearing the Word of God preached, and their faith begins to diminish. And then the, the quality of their decisions begin to diminish. They begin to build their life on their own reasoning or what's popular. And then their life heads for a crash when storms come. And so hearing the Word of God consistently and weekly is just key, that interaction, to build our life on a solid foundation. Number four is this, talk it. Talk it. One of the best ways to make God's Word the foundation of your life is to find some other Christians to talk the Word of God with. So, so we call them small groups at People's Church. Just get in a small group where you can talk God's Word. I thank God for my small group where I can talk God's Word. I, I need to grow just like you. A couple of weeks ago, we had our small group. One of, the, one of our small group attendees, they, they have a pool at their home, so we gathered around their home in the summertime. Thank God for that attendee. Praise the Lord. Amen. So if we was at their home, we were swimming and having a good Man, we were just talking the Word of God and talking life and talking family and talking health and what God's doing in our life. And, man, can I tell you, there's nothing like talking the Word of God that will help it become a foundation of your life. Colossians 3, verse 16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Let it be in you richly. How? as you teach and admonish one another. We need each other. With all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And my hope is this, that this series is causing you to fall more in love with God's Word and that you desire to make it the foundation of your life. And you'll have to read it, understand it, memorize it, hear it, and talk it. Number two is this. Let me give you the second point on how to build your life and make God's Word a solid foundation. Number two is you got to live it. You got to live it. Matthew 7 and verse 24, I read it to you earlier. It teaches us that the only way, the only way to build our life on a solid foundation is you actually have to live the Bible. You have to actually practice the Word of God. And to effectively live God's Word, everybody has to answer these two questions. Everybody, if you're going to effectively live God's Word, everybody has to answer these two questions. The first question is this. What do I do when I don't understand what I read in God's Word? What do I do? I'm reading the Bible. God, I don't understand what that is. I don't understand what that means. What, what do you do? Well, let me give you two encouragements. Number one is this. Search it out. Seek it out. Do some research. Talk, talk to a strong Christian who actually lives the Bible, that has maturity, get their thoughts about it. But, but, but seek it out. And, and then second of all, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Pre-decide that God is true and right. I've made that decision. So before I open the Word of God, I just made the decision. God, you're right, and your Word is true, and I don't have to understand it to agree with it. 
Let me tell you why this is important. Because God is bigger than us. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8 and 9 that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. And friends, this is so important to understand because you know what? I'm not going to understand all of God's thoughts. I'm not going to understand all of God's ways. And if I can understand all of God's thoughts, and if I can understand all of God's ways, that means God is the size of me. And that's a bit scary for God to be reduced down to Herbert. He's much bigger than me. He's much bigger than you. So we're not going to necessarily understand every single thing. And I'm glad that God is bigger than me and bigger than you. So I trust God, not me. I just predecided. I'm trusting God. A second question is this What do I do when I understand the Bible but don't like it? What do I do when I understand the Bible but don't like it? And friends, we don't have to always like it but we have to obey it. This is huge. I want you to know as your pastor, I don't like everything in the Bible. I don't like it all. There's some parts that bother me. There's some that, that stretch me. There, there, there's some that just kind of, just, just when I, and I read it, just makes me uncomfortable. I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily like everything I read but I don't adjust the Bible to fit me. I adjust me to fit the Bible. I, I, I have just decided I'm not going to make me the foundation of my life because I'm a pretty weak foundation. So I'm not going to adjust God's Word to fit me and my thinking. I'm going to adjust me to fit the Bible. And friends, that's not always easy because I don't always like what I read. I remember my wife didn't like it. She struggled back in the day when we were dating. The girl struggled. <laughs> she couldn't keep her hands off of me. <laughs> I'm like, no, girl, I'm waiting until we get married. I'm just doing what the Bible says. I can't. I need you. No, I'm standing. No, uh-uh. No, no, back off. All right, that's my version of it, all right? That is my, that's my, I'm preaching today. That's my story. I'm just saying there are things in the Bible that we don't always like. But you don't have to like it. You got to obey it. And somebody says, well, if I understood it all, I would do it. If I just understood it all. Some understanding will only come from obedience. So, in key for you to understand that understanding doesn't lead to obedience. Obedience leads to understanding. I'm going to say that again. Understanding doesn't lead to obedience. Obedience leads to understanding. You will never understand the power of God's Word until you begin to obey it. There are some things you just won't understand until you begin to do the Word of God, and then light bulbs begin to come on, and then the power of God gets activated in that situation, and you begin to say, man, God's Word really does work. But obedience leads to understanding. Friends, blessing and breakthrough doesn't come from just hearing. It comes from doing the Word of God. Blessing and breakthrough comes from doing the Word of God. James 1 and verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And, and all the time people deceive themselves because they, they don't do the Word of God. Or they pick and choose what they want to do. And they say, but God, I go to church and I read your Bible some. I know some Christian songs. Why is it not working in my life? And they deceive themselves thinking they don't have to do it. They can just do whatever they want to do, and God's Word will it'll just work for them. 
I'm telling you, listen, God's word will work if you'll work it, if you will do it. The blessing comes from doing the word of God. James 1, he goes on to say in verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, doing God's word will bring freedom to your life and continues in it. In other words, you can't just follow God's word for a week or, or for a month or for a year. You got to continue in it. You got to continue to do it. He goes on to say, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. The blessing comes from doing the word of God. Man, I want this so bad for your life. So John chapter 8 and verse 31 says this, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, the key is you have to hold to God's word. You, you can't let it go. You have to continue living it. And, and then Jesus gives us two insights about holding to the word of God. He says, you are really my disciples. Real disciples do the word of God. They live it. Verse 32, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Friends, living God's Word will set you free. It'll set your relationship free. It'll set your marriage free. It'll set your finances free. It'll set your career free. It'll set your parenting free. It'll set your life free. If you will begin to do the Word of God, it'll set you free. The Word of God says this in John chapter 13, verse 17. Now that you know this, Jesus says, hey, 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 now that you know all of this, you know these things. You will, be you will be blessed if you do them. The blessing comes from doing God's Word. There are three big areas, three just kind of overarching big areas of our life that we got to obey God in. N number one is this, our relationships. Relationships. Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39 says, Jesus replied when he was asked what the greatest commandment is. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, love people. Love people. You know what that means? Be nice. That's a word for somebody today. Yeah, be nice. Be nice. Love people. Forgive. That means forgive people. Be kind to people. Help people. Be patient with people. Believe the best about people. Encourage people. Be honest with people. Listen, God's called us to love people. Pa pastor, 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 I want to go deep love people. No, pastor, I want to be super deep. Go to work and love people. Love your family. Quit being mean. Love people. Is your relationship with people, your love for people, is it growing or is it diminishing? Love people. Don't, don't change God's Word to fit you. Align your life to fit God's Word. Love people. Number two is this, a big area, finances. Put God first in your finances. Right now, here's what's happening. Move on, Pastor. Move on. Talk about the next point. I know, I've been passionate a while. But this is so hard for so many Christians, so hard. And in churches all across America, 3 to 5% of people actually tithe. They may give. But I'm talking about actually return to God the first 10%, 3 to 5% statistically. And I'm telling you as a pastor, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart seeing God's people bound in greed and their hearts full of greed. It breaks my heart to see people just struggling financially and upside down financially. It breaks my heart to see people overwhelmed and not experiencing financial freedom and, 
and financial peace because of consumer debt. And friends, I'm telling you, as your pastor, I want God to bless every area of your life, including your finances. And friends, can I tell you, God wants this more than I want it for you. Here's what the scripture says, Malachi 3 and verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me. Come on, all of our locations say, test me. Come on, come on, shout it. Test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And I want to encourage you today, would you test God? Bring God the whole tithe into the storehouse. That would be the local church where you worship. But bring God the whole time. Test God today and just see won't he be true to his word. It goes on to say this in, in Malachi 3 verse 10, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And this is the only place in the Bible where God says, I want you to test me. And I think God said that because he knew how difficult that would be for people. And here's what we have at People's Church. We have a three-month tithe challenge. I do not want you to be bound up with greed and not experiencing God's blessings in your life. And in the back of a seat back pocket today, there's this three-month tithe challenge card. Enough for all of you to grab one. You can grab one today. Fill it out. Here's what simply this is. is a money-back guarantee. I want to remove every obstacle for you not to trust God in this area. I don't want you to trust in God in some areas. I want you to trust him in all areas. And the only way to trust somebody is you got to trust somebody. You actually got to trust them. And so would you, here's what I want you to do. If you'll fill this card out, you rip off, and you just turn in this, this bottom part, fill it out. As you walk out the building today at the boxes, there's black boxes right by the doors. Just drop this in, the, in there, and you're saying, man, for the next night and night, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to honor God. And bring the whole tithe. Bring, 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 bring it all. If, if you don't bring it all, I'm not guaranteeing God's word is going to work. But I'm telling you, if you bring the entire tithe, God, I just know God's going to bless you. Say, Pastor, y'all going to be refunded a lot of money. No, we're not. And I'm saying, it just works. And you have no excuse to try it. Try it. Test God. I had somebody after the, the first service came up to me. It was, it was funny to me. It made me laugh. He said, Pastor, uh, yeah, tithe and stuff. He said, uh, you know, man, I get paid twice a month. Now, how, how often is it just at the end of the month, tithe? I said, really, it's, it's every time you get paid. He said, oh, Lord, I just got paid a lot of money. God, I get a lot of money today. Oh, Lord. I just said, trust God. Trust, just trust God. Trust God. He, he's freaked out about having to give to the Lord today. But I just, I mean, you just got to trust God. You just got to trust God. It's a big area. Trust God and just watch him be faithful. Here's a third area. Here's a third. This is a big area. Here's a third big area. It's daily habits. Your daily habits. Obey God. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train. Come on, everybody shout, train. Train yourself to be godly. We have to train ourselves to be godly. Our daily habits will make us or break us. John Maxwell said, you will never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret of your success is found in your daily routine. Aristotle said, you are what you repeatedly do. Success is not an action. It's not a one-time thing, but a habit. And the Bible has so much to say about our habits. We have to align our daily habits to God's Word. How are you doing with your habits every day? How are your eye habits? How are you doing? With the, with, with the eyes. Friends, I'm telling you, this is a huge habit that we have to think about. What are we watching? What are we reading? What are we, what are we bringing into our eyes? 
It's key. How about your ear habits? How are you doing with your, your ear habits? That's what you listen to. What kind of music are you pumping in your mind? What are you listening to? Who are you hanging around? Who's speaking into your life? I'm telling you, what's coming into your ears? It's, it's a habit. You've got you to guard it, your, your ear habits. How about your mouth habits? What you say to people every day. What you say to yourself. Some of you talk crazy to yourself. That's why it's not working for you. you got to stop it. you got some bad habits. How about your thought habits? Your thought habits. Well, what you think. Positive or negative. That's why we talk about meditating on God's Word. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? I'm telling you, your habits matter. They'll make you or break you. Don't change God's Word to fit your habits. Change your habits to fit, God, fit God's Word. And if you'll change your habits, it'll change your life. Number three is this. Number three is this. We're talking about how to build your life on a solid foundation, how to, how to build it on God's Word. Number three is use it as a weapon. Use it as a weapon. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13 says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, let me pause, the day of evil will come. It came in me this summer on my break. I told you about it week one. The day of evil will come. It's not if, it's when the day of evil comes. And the question is simply this. Here he goes, here's what he says about the full armor. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Ephesians 6 and verse 16, 17 goes on to say this, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God only gives us Christians one offensive weapon. It's called the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's the only offensive weapon you got against the enemy. And the Bible says in, in, in Ephesians 6 and verse 16 that the devil fights us with fiery darts. He's shooting arrows. Bing! He's shooting arrows at us. And we got the shield of faith to use. But he shoot arrows at us. And I'm thinking, God, it's not fair. Come on, somebody, somebody says, it's not fair, God. He's got arrows. I got a sword. Give a brother a gun. Pow! Take you out, devil. At least give me some arrows to shoot back. But you gave me a sword. You know what a sword means? Sometimes the devil gets close to you. You got a sword. But you know what you got to do when that devil gets close? When the day of evil comes, cut that sucker. Stab him. With the word. That's what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 4. On three different occasions, the devil attacked Jesus. The day of evil came. You know what the Bible says? Jesus said this It is written. Ah! And he stabbed that joker. It is written. Ah! Yeah! The devil took off running because of the sword of the Spirit. I do it all the time. I take the sword of the Spirit and I cut that devil in Jesus' name because he's always attacking. Sometimes he attacks my family with health problems. I'll take Psalms 103. Forget not his benefits, that he's the God that forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. My family's whole. I cut that devil in Jesus' name. Sometimes he'll attack my money, and I'll break Philippians 4 and verse 19. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I cut that devil. Sometimes he attacks my confidence and says, Herbert, you're a loser. You're a nobody. So I'll break out. At Romans chapter 8 and verse number 37, I am more than a conqueror than Christ Jesus who loves me. And I cut that devil. Sometimes he attacks me with my circumstances and, and says, it just the circumstances are stacked in a negative way. So I'll break out Romans 8 and verse 28. But listen to me, devil. God's going to work all things for my good according to, 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 to according, 
because anybody who lives according to his purpose, friends, can I tell you, he's going to work it for your good. And I just begin to work the word of God on the devil. Listen, devil, the circumstance is not good, but listen, God is good. He's going to work it for my good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. And I just cut the devil. Somebody, I know some of you looking at me, pastor, you are crazy. No, it works. I just, yeah, give me the word of God in the name of Jesus. Here's what the Bible, I don't care what I see. In the, I take the sword. Come closer, devil. Yeah. It's a weapon. Some of you are losing the battle because you got the wrong way. Get that sword out and work that word on that dirty devil, and he'll flee in Jesus' name.